You're listening to the Armchair Quarterbacks on CBS Sports Radio, number one sports station. Good morning. It's time to wake up, y'all. You're listening to the Armchair Quarterback Show. We're here weekdays, 8 a.m. Eastern, 7 Central to 10 a.m. Eastern, 9 Central. Available on Google Android, Apple iPhone, Facebook Live, and Periscope Twitter. Tap that Armchair Quarterbacks app. Take us anywhere you go. The Armchair Quarterback Show, your first choice for Southern Sports Talk. Good morning, Mr. Justin Waller. Good morning. I don't know much, but I know one thing. If you missed last night's Maction, you missed uh, the University of Buffalo's running game. 396 of their 470 yards came on. Hello, I'm Mac McGee. I don't know much, but I know one thing. Theo Epstein has stepped aside as the Cubs GM. I got a feeling he's headed east, and we're going to talk about just exactly where that is in just a second. So have you ever done this kind of work before? Well, uh, you know... Book reports. Is, uh, who do you read? I uh, I like Mike Lupica. Mike Lupica? He's a sports writer for the Daily News. <laughs> I find him very insightful. No, no, no. I mean, I mean author. Uh, a lot of good ones. Yeah. A lot of good ones. Uh, I, I don't even want to mention anybody because I'm afraid I'm, I'm going to leave somebody out. Uh, name a couple. Who, who do I like? I like uh, Art Vandelay. <laughs> Art Vandelay? He's an obscure writer. Beatnik, you know, uh-huh. from the village. Uh-huh. What's he written? Venetian blinds. Armchair. Community access channel. He's the armchair quarterback. He's full of beer and he's full of snacks. The All-American Man. Hey, howdy, hi. Top of the morning to you. Welcome to the Armchair Quarterback Radio Show. I'm Mac McGee, and sitting alongside Justin Waller, hopefully, eventually, as he had kicked off here for a second, I'm not sure exactly what's going on. Well, here he comes. I guess he had to restart his computer or something. Maybe it crashed on him. I'm not 100% sure what happened. But he's joining us right now as we speak. And with that being said, Mr. Justin Waller, how are you, sir? Well, if all these virtual learners would quit stealing my bandwidth, I mean, get your butts to school. Brick and mortar, baby. <laughs> Well, you need to change. You need to change the uh, the uh, passcode. <laughs> Chase. Uh, anyway, good morning. Sorry about that. Exactly. Keep your hands out of your pants and your phone off during business hours. <laughs> I'll get you a sign made. Thank you, sir. Um, uh, I was just alluding. Uh, did you catch any of the action last night? I had it on, on on a secondary TV, and I flipped back and forth. But, but neither one of them were close to be, so I'll be honest with you, I did not actually watch. I just had it on in case a fight broke out or something. Fight by broke out. Uh, decided to lay a little uh, overaction on the uh, Buffalo uh, Bowling Green at 58 and a half. And uh, whew, had to wait till that last touchdown to hit number 59. Had to wait till that last extra point. I didn't like sweating it like that. It's usually not like that in action. But over-unders are usually fun in those uh, Tuesday night games. Yeah, I... Uh... What was it? Buffalo was in the one, and what was the other one? Was it um, Akron and uh, Kent State? Yeah, uh, okay. I couldn't remember who who was playing who. I knew Buffalo and Kent State were playing last night, but I couldn't remember who who was playing who and whatnot. Um, so, were you intently into the game? What I mean, did you learn anything new that you can bring to us? <laughs> uh, Buffalo's got one hell of a rushing game: three hundred ninety-six yards on the ground. Or uh, Buff- Bowling Green's got one porous rush defense. I don't know which is true, but back to back weeks, uh, Bowling Green's put up high octane offense. So uh, 
definitely uh, something to watch with the uh, team totals uh, as we talk about gambling throughout the week. Uh, Buffalo's an interesting team that uh, should be hitting their numbers. So, All right, so I'm not going to bring this up every single broadcast. I'm just going to let everybody know we have a new phone number and an extension. It is now on the heading as you're looking at Facebook Live. It's the only thing I'm going to mention about it. If you want to know what it is, you need to find us on Facebook Live. If you're riding around you know, listening to us on radio, I'm not going to keep re- repeating the, the phone number. Find I'm sure quarterbacks wake up show on Facebook Live, and uh, that's all I'm going to say about that because I'm not going to give it out to Twitter and everything else because they're telling what would happen at, the, at that at that time, right? Uh, oh, that's what we need, some Twitter bot calls. Yeah. Those would be entertaining. <laughs> We could finally talk to all those robots that uh, voted for Joe Biden, right? Um, today, we got the NBA draft. We got a lot of the other things going on. But Theo Epstein left the Cubs yesterday. Suddenly, no one saw that. Well, I'm sure some people in the organization saw it coming. But it was not being reported until yesterday morning, just shortly after we went off the air. I sent you the text. I had just gotten the alert myself, and then I saw it bust out on MLB network just like a few minutes later I was like wow so that really because sometimes I, I get these alerts from uh guys I used to write with and I don't always know when it's going to happen and I also always don't there, there's been a few times when they've been wrong so I, I try not to get too excited and uh, when it popped up I was like wow I guess that guy who writes for the Phillies does know what the hell he's talking about um but what- well I think that's wishful thinking as the day progressed because Passan uh shared a letter he obtained to friends that Epstein sent saying he was, uh, was on ESPN last night, uh, late. They updated it a little after midnight that, uh, next summer is going to be his first one. And I think he said 30 years that he's not going to be punching a clock and actually getting to enjoy it. So for the Mets and Phillies fans, uh, based on that news that came out last night, I might want to pump the brakes. Maybe old Theo's taking a year off cause he was under well, contract through next year that, and he walked th- away one year early. <laughs> And that's the main rumor that everyone has been circulating is the fact that he's headed to either the Phillies or the Mets in 2021, not not this year, that they suspect he's going to take the year off because he's still going to talk and communicate and advise the guy who's taking over for him. And he'll do that all the way up into the spring. That was kind of the game plan, and that's how they came to an agreement that he would still advise him as they were already planning on 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 switching hands everybody knew that they just thought he'd be around for another year and he just kind of said well i want to have a year to be able to look look at my options here's another rumor that i heard this morning and this one's interesting evidently uh he is a big time biden supporter and there are rumors that he might be putting his hand in or hat into the political ring Maybe not necessarily running for office right away, but there's talks about that he maybe actually get some kind of a job through that if he doesn't go the route of general manager for for one of the teams. I th- I think one of the one of the obvious choices is the Mets. The gentleman they have in place right now is an older gentleman, gentleman uh, Sandy Alderson, and he has came back to kind of right the ship for the new ownership but he has made it very clear he doesn't want to be there long term in other words he's not trying you know he's he's an older guy i i I saw him on i don't know i don't have it in front of him i'm gonna guess he's in his late 60s okay so he was doing this as a you know to be a part of something but also to help out his friend who just bought the mets 
Now, um, I think that's the most likely scenario because he comes back and resurrects the Mets. And that's another – I think the ultimate thing for him would be to be able to go into New York and make New York Mets rel, the most relevant team, kind of overtake the Yankees. I think that would be his, his, his job, his goal. There's also talk about that he might be waiting to hold out for a part of an ownership. Now, normally you would say, why the hell am I going to bust my ass my entire life by a team – and then give a part of it to some guy who doesn't have the capital, right? But when the Mets first changed hands, the first thing their owner said was that he was in it to win championships, not to make money, because he has a large hedge fund that he makes bukus of money at, and he's looking at it as is a, this is a thing where he doesn't want it to necessarily uh, – hemorrhage money but he doesn't care about making money with the Mets he wants to win championships and he'll make his money elsewhere which is what we all want in one of our owners right we you know Justin and I have talked about that forever we'd love to get another drunk billionaire to, to buy the freaking uh, Braves as opposed to it being owned by a corporation where you've got meeting after meeting after meeting after meeting about how much money you can spend and until I don't know who's 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 rich in Atlanta, and, and you know, till Ti buys the buys the freaking Braves. I think we're. Uh, I don't think he's that kind of rich, but but you get my drift. Uh, I think it's going to be a long, long road for before the Braves see something like what the Mets are about to see. A guy who's just a limitless chess checkbook. Is he from Atlanta? I feel like he's from Atlanta. I have no clue uh, where he's from. I was really hoping you knew. But. <laughs> Not to the where Epstein might be going, but do you like the step down? I, I do. Uh, if his reasonings are, are, are uh, we, we got honest reactions, winner, and the long-term decisions that face the Cubs. So. Okay, say that one more time. Sorry to break cut, up on you. I yeah. heard you cut in. I, yeah, well, if you say that one more time, because I got half of it rubber banded and the rest of it came at me like an auctioneer. Gotcha. Essentially, Epstein, if his reasonings are true, or for what we heard yesterday was, you know, he, he's got one year left on his contract and there's decisions. I mean, that lineup's got to have decisions top to bottom that are going to be long-term uh, deals that they've got to figure out which directions they're going to shift and turn to. And essentially, you promote uh, your general manager, uh, Jed, up to uh, president. When you step out of the way, he's there for the long term and let him make the decision. As a Cubs fan, I mean, I kind of got to applaud that. You don't want to lose Epstein, but at least he didn't go in saying, hey, man, I only got one year left. I don't have to deal with this mess and just firing bullets left and right. I think as, as the, the Cubs go, it was the best move for him. Yeah, I well, look, I feel like just like he did with the, with the, uh, the Red Sox, he left them on their decline. He didn't leave them at the top. The, the Cubs have nowhere but down to go. And he won them a championship. So you can't hate on him for it, but the books in Chicago are extremely muddled trying to figure out what you're going to do with a lot of different players. And to top it off, you stuck them with old freaking David Ross as your coach. So, I mean, you really did. You really did the old wham, bam. Thank you, ma'am on him because, uh, the, the Cubs are going to be in for a long haul of, they say they don't want to rebuild. They want to do more of like rebuild on the fly. Like the Yankees did in 2016 when they, uh, traded away, Rawls Chapman and and got Glaber Torres and things of the, uh, of that matter. The thing is, the Cubs are going to find someone stupid enough 
to trade away one of their top prospects and the Cubs aren't trading with themselves. So they can't do that. And the, uh, and, and now the analytics is so much heavily involved. It's more difficult to make these trades than it was just five years ago. So this year, I suspect the Cubs are going to be big time sellers. I think they're going to try to do a, an actual rebuild. They've got a lot of questions to make, but one, I mean, answer, but one of them is Chris Bryant's a free agent next year. What the hell do you do with him? Cause he's not really the most, uh, glamorous trade chip out there, but you got to get some kind of worth cause you have no des- desire to, to, to do anything with him, right? You're, you're not going to resign him. And he's, unless he gives you an extremely club friendly deal, cause he has, uh, definitely peaked in his career. It looks like, so you've got that you've got, you know, you Darvish, someone that you might need to lock up again, because he's going to be coming up at the end of his contract. I believe at the, I believe it's as early as the end of next year. It's coming up. He's either got one or two years left. I think it's one. Um, they've got a lot of things to figure out in a little time to do it. And that's what he's essentially going to be there for is to help them out. But basically if he wanted to help them out, he should start making these moves two seasons ago. And he wasn't, he was trying to get another championship, trying to make that run. Cause he knew that he wasn't staying there long-term. Theo Epstein is a guy that's just does not. Now you give him a, a part of the ownership. Maybe that's how you lock him in long-term, but I think he's a guy that gets bored and uh, wants a new challenge and we'll just see how it goes. Let's go ahead and take a really quick break because when we come back, we're going to talk about the best three lost teams in the NFL. We'll be back in a flash here on the armchair quarterbacks, which three lost team is the best out there. We're going to have the answer when we come back. You get up to the time you wrap up. Good night. There's a lot of meetups, eatups, and hurryups. So come to Shell and get three things done at once. Fill up with Shell V Power Nitro Plus to help keep your engine running like new. Save up with the Fuel Rewards Program and never pay full price for gas again. And snack up with in-store rewards to save even more at the pump. Make the most of the stop you need to make with Shell. And engines that continuously use Shell V Power Nitro Plus Premium Gasoline. See full terms and conditions at FuelRewards.com. Kick off fall and kick off happiness with Schaffer Hopper Grapefruit and Pomegranate Beer. Log on to kickoffhappiness.com for your chance to win a cool custom cooler with Schaffer Hopper swag, including your favorite team's jersey. Look for the Schaffer Hopper displays at your local retailers for great savings on Schaffer Hopper Grapefruit and Pomegranate. And learn more about the sweepstakes at kickoffhappiness.com. See site for official rules. Must be 21 or older. Brewed and bottled in Germany. Imported by Radeberger Group USA. Norwalk, Connecticut. Always enjoy responsibly. We are the Armchair Quarterback Show, your first choice for sports talk live from the First Coast. Pour me, pour me, pour me, pour me a shot Do you see what you get, Carla? Do you see what you get when you mess with the warrior? Welcome back here to the Armchair Quarterbacks, riding shotgun with you, and uh, we've got uh, Mr. Justin Waller with us, and uh, Mr. Sean O'Toole's on his way, but before he gets here, we were going to kind of kick around the idea of there are several teams in the National Football League, specifically in the AFC, that have three losses, okay? And with that being said, I thought it'd be a fun thing to, to argue exchange ideas usually turns into a knife fight about who is the best three loss team in all of the national football league. 
So we'll we'll start that off by by listing them. You've got the Colts, Raiders, Dolphins, Ravens, Browns, and Tennessee Titans. You also have the Arizona Cardinals and Seattle Seahawks along with the LA Rams. So that's a lot to digest, and we won't be able to get the entire thing in, I'm sure. And your Buccaneers. I believe the they're bu- in there, too. Are the, buc- the Buccaneers are at three. I was looking at my eyes were on six and three, and, and the Bucks had seven. So, yeah, the Bucks are sitting there at three losses as well. So you're talking about, man, you're talking about what is that? I don't have it counted up there, but that I think that's around 10, 10 or so teams, give or take, that uh, are sitting there with, with essentially the same record. The Bucks are a half game in front with a seven and three over the other teams that I mentioned, which are six and three. Um, the Bills are six and or seven and three. I don't know if I mentioned them. I probably didn't. Uh, so let's just cut it off at the six and three teams and and, and go from there, okay? Because the seven and three teams that adds two more. Good lord. Um, we'll probably be doing this on the regular <laughs> next week. See see how many teams are left with three losses. What's your gut instinct? Just give me two, and you're like, okay, I think these are two of the better, and they don't necessarily have to be from separate conferences. Well, you just took one out uh, at the Bills there. So um, on the fly, I'm gonna go. Uh, I'm gonna go Raiders and Rams. Now, what is your reasoning for picking those? Well, we've seen the Raiders uh, hang and uh, beat the Chiefs once this year. We're going to see the rematch Sunday night, but uh, that offense is just steamrolling. Um, and defense just somehow finds a way in games to keep them in it, and uh, they, they just seem to be uh, be rolling. And I just don't – I think you get in a playoff run and you get in one of them games where you blitz them, and as long as you're not the Falcons or the Texans, you're not going to blow a 21, 24-point lead. Um, Rams, I go strictly defense. Um, I, I still think that when the, when the dust settles out there in the West, I think the Rams will come out on top. Okay, so one thing for me is I don't know who's better between Tennessee and, and Indianapolis right now because I don't know if, if Thursday night was what we're going to see again in a couple of weeks or if Tennessee will make the adjustments. So I'm going to put those two teams aside and say that they're basically not eligible at this point, right? Uh, mainly because I've seen both those teams lose to bad teams. Is- uh, if I'm going to break the tiebreaker, I would tell you to lean Colts one because yeah. uh, we, they're well, a known commodity on well, defense, and Tennessee doesn't have one. Well plus, um, he, well, plus you have to because they won the first meeting. True. But but we'll, we'll probably circle back to that after the second meeting, was, which is just a week from Sunday. So – but the, but as much as you can say the Colts have a good defense, I can also say the Titans have a better quarterback in my opinion. They definitely have a better running game, and I think I would take their their maybe not the total depth, but I would take their wide receiving slash tight end, their receiving core, meaning the three guys you see on the field the most. I would take them over the Colts in uh, AJ Brown. Corey Davis and Johnny Smith. I would take that over with the Colts. The Pittman has looked good. Uh, you, you don't get consistent play out of, out of the tight end position for the for the uh, the Colts, and the running back position is a freaking. I mean, you never know what the hell you're getting out of that between the Colts, the Ravens, and the Rams. I feel like I'm forgetting a team. It's been nothing but fantasy football nightmare, right? 
Um, I'm surprised you picked the Raiders because that's actually who I'm leaning with. I've been more and more impressed. You know I'm not a big fan of Chucky. I always felt like he's more flash than anything else. But did you hear this thing that's going on? So they're playing again this weekend, but evidently after the first victory, when they left the stadium, there were reports that came out that the Raiders had the bus driver do a victory lap around the stadium. Did you hear about this exchange? I, I saw the headline, but I have not gone okay. in. But I mean, this. So I, here's I, I the can deal. Kind of guess where it's going. So here's the deal. <laughs> I heard the clip, but I can't find it anywhere. And I wanted to find because I wanted to play because it, it is a funny clip. Andy Reid evidently took offense to it and said, "Well, that's just not how we do it here in Kansas City." And he basically said something to the effect of, "You know, act like you've been there before, right? You know, we win big, big games all the time. We don't do victory laps." Is essentially what he said, and. John Gruden came back with, well, you might want to ask that Kansas City bus driver why why we did what we did. We did that to shut him up, and I don't really care about it right uh, anymore. So evidently the Kansas City bus driver was talking mad junk before the game. Cause, and look, we've all been on those bus driver on those bus rides or dealt with the with a. Uh, with an Uber driver nowadays, but I'm going back to the days of riding in cabs, and you're wearing a, a rival T-shirt, jersey, whatever you're heading to a game, and that I'm telling you, these these cab drivers they give you hell, and I guarantee you that's what this was. This was a Kansas City. Well, you gonna get your butts whipped today and doing all that junk. So they got on the bus and said, "We want you to take a." a second one, a victory lap. And I guess they razzed the hell out of the bus driver over it. And then he eventually leaked it. I don't know why it's just coming out now, but uh, it went on NASCAR and did the Polish victory lap. Yeah. And it. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, yeah, so that's, that's pretty much uh, what's going on there. And I love it. It reminds, I know a lot of people might be a little too young for this. You would be, a, you would have been a kid, but Sam Weich and, uh, Jerry Glanville, and this was Oilers. Well, hell, Glanville was with the Falcons too. But I was, I'm thinking more of Oilers, uh, Browns. There was a huge rivalry from the coaching stuff, and they used to do things to just needle the hell out of each other. Gl Glanville, and it carried on to when Glanville went to the to the Falcons. Uh, Sam White and Jerry Glanville just famously didn't get along. I loved Jerry Glanville because Jerry Glanville is the guy that used to leave uh, tickets at the at the at the window. And this is in the late '90s. Uh, sorry, late '80s, early '90s. He used to leave tickets at the at the at the call window at the stadium for Elvis Presley every single game. And they said, "Why do you do that?" He said, "Because because this is back when the rumor was Elvis was still alive. People would spot him in gas stations and everything. That was always the rumor going on." He said, "Because if Elvis Presley ever wants to come and watch one of my games, I want to make sure he has tickets." So he so he did his entire career. He left tickets for Elvis Presley. If Elvis Presley was alive, he could have walked into any damn Falcons game he ever wanted to. I don't know if he was doing that in Houston, but he was doing it. And then Sam White took it to the level of they were playing Glanville one time. And I don't remember if that was if that was the Houston Oilers, if that was the the uh, the Atlanta Falcons. I don't remember. I want to say it was the Oilers. Not important to the story. His Bengals were winning, 
And they went, this is late in the game, they went and got an onside kick and ran a two-man in offense when they were up by like 40. I mean, this was great stuff in the 80s. I loved it. And if, if we get this again, if we get uh, Reed and uh, Chucky not agreeing on things, it would be great. But I, I'm going to go with the Raiders too. Uh, and then I, if I have a secondary team, I'm just going to go ahead and throw out. I guess I'll go with an NFC team. I guess I would take. I'm going to be honest with you. I'm starting to dig the way Arizona's playing. And I I've, I think the two best quarterbacks are Arizona and Seattle. And I really don't have much faith in the Seattle defense. And as uh, Sean Tool uh, joins us, we're about to head to break. But, Sean, real quick, I know you're not prepared for this, but real quick, um, in your heart of hearts, there's a bunch of three lost teams in the, in the, in the NFL and I'll rattle them off real quick. Just tell me who you think the best one is. And then we have to head to break Buffalo. Uh, well, I'm sorry. Um, extend Buffalo. Uh, it's a long story. Colts, Raiders, Dolphins, Ravens, Cleveland, Tennessee, uh, and then the NFC West. Think of all those teams, and this will be a sneak peek to my top five. If I could only pick one, I would take the Los Angeles Rams just as the most complete team. I would okay. give honorable mention to the Dolphins. I think the Dolphins are the second best team out of that group. Um, I don't hate with the that way the, they're using. The only reason, the, the, the only thing I'll throw back on that is I don't trust Jared Goff, and so no, uh, yeah, I, and, I don't either. I and I, I know that's, that's strange plan. for me to say. I think the Raiders might be the best because they got Derek Carr, but I do trust Derek Carr more than I trust Jared Goff. Jared, Jared Goff just gets – he's not quite noodle arm, but uh, I don't know, elbow macaroni arm maybe sometimes. I mean, you just you – know, it, it, it may not be a straight noodle, but there's definitely some elbow, elbow macaroni involved in there. Let's take that quick break. When we come back, we're going to hit the world of the National Hockey League and the college football top five. Did we have a move? I sure did. We'll be back in a flash here on the Armchair Quarterbacks. Keep it locked in here to CBS Sports Radio. If dating is the game, then marriage is winning the game. Yeah, if you're playing in the women's league. <laughs> we are the Armchair Quarterback Show. Your first choice for sports talk live from the First Coast. Give me a bottle of your very best. Ladies and gentlemen, the Chicago Blackhawks have won the Stanley Cup for the second time in four seasons. Here it is. The waiting is over. The New York Rangers are the Stanley Cup champions. And this one will last a lifetime. Here's Lemieux. The center penalty coming up. Look at Lemieux. Oh, my heavens. What a goal. What a move. Lemieux. Oh, baby. Gretzky looking. Gary Curry. McSorley to Gretzky. Armchair Quarterbacks Radio, covering the NHL like no other. Fantasy Sports is back, and it's time to jump into DraftKings. Go to DraftKings today at DraftKings.com. Golf, NASCAR, soccer, you name it. And of course, 
Major League Baseball, Basketball, Hockey, and Football, go to DraftKings.com. Listen to the Armchair Quarterbacks for DFS advice all year round. Hello, I'm Mike Lindell, the inventor of my pillow. For the longest time, I've wanted to come out with the world's most comfortable bed sheets. But up until now, I haven't been able to find anything that held up to my high standards. I finally found the best cotton in the world in a region where the Sahara Desert, the Nile River, and the Mediterranean Sea all come together to create the ideal weather conditions for growing cotton. My new Giza Dream bed sheets are made with this long staple cotton, and I guarantee they'll be the most comfortable sheets you'll ever own. The first night you sleep on my sheets, you'll never want to sleep on anything else. All you need to do is go to MyPillow.com, promo code armchair. That's MyPillow.com, use the promo code armchair. Or call 1-800-319-7392. The number is 1-800-319-7392. Remember, promo code armchair to get the best deal around. For the best night's sleep in the whole wide world, visit MyPillow.com. You're riding Morning Shotgun with the Armchair Quarterbacks. We're here weekdays, streaming on the Armchair Quarterbacks app. Download it today. Your first choice for sports talk here on the First Coast. Well, I'm sure that I could be a movie star if I could get out of this place. Armchair. Salmon skin roll. One more time around the sun. I take it and run around this world. Welcome back to the Armchair Quarterbacks. As uh, I got the audio issue figured out, Justin, by the way. I was around with uh, yesterday and the day before. I got that figured out. But I do have a new speaker coming. So if you're wondering, if you're watching on Facebook, why you can't hear the uh, ads as loudly, uh, I, I, I have to get a new speaker. The the other one is just isn't gonna make gonna get it done. But uh, but I can't crank it up too loud because then it messes with the radio and everyone listening on the Armchair Quarterbacks app. It would blow their ears out of their sockets. So um, let's go ahead and get into. Uh, the NHL real quick, and then we're going to transition into the top five in college football. Sean, take it away on what what you want to throw at us on the NHL, and I'll let you and Justin debate. Okay, so uh, we got a limited amount of time, so I'll be quick. Um, we talked last week about the possibility of the border remaining closed between Canada and the United States, um, which politics aside would necessitate that the NHL has to have some kind of single season temporary division complex. So I actually found some pretty great suggestions online. Now these are by SB nation blogs. So they're certainly not um, fully vetted by the NHL yet. The Canadian division is the easiest one, obviously Montreal, Ottawa, Toronto, Winnipeg, Calgary, Edmonton, and Vancouver. Things get a little bit dicey when you look at actually the number of teams that you would kind of consider in the Midwest, um, or, you know, between Michigan and Florida, and add in Dallas, right? That basically span north and south from the Mississippi River. So the best one I've seen, and I'll run it by you really quick, the Pacific Division would be Anaheim, LA, San Jose, Arizona, Vegas, Colorado, 
And then you'd have to throw in Minnesota and Dallas in all likelihood, unless you wanted to throw in, you know, Tampa Bay and Dallas or Tampa Bay and Chicago. So for the average fan, what does this honestly mean that you're only going to play inside your division for an extended period of time, or is it the entire season? I would imagine for an extended period of time um, until further notice, the Canadian division uh, would probably not be able to play other teams unless the prime minister of Canada changes his mind. He's not letting, not letting anybody in or out. There's of seven teams in the, in the, in the Canada and there's 30 mm -hmm. total. So you would break it down to seven and then what do the other one half and half essentially almost, I mean, obviously there'd be like a 12 and 13 or you, or, or are you talking about doing uh, less teams in that in each bubble? It seems like you, you get some monotony there of playing the same team over mm -hmm. and over. Seems like you will. Canada's and getting in the cup final. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> and technically, there's and technically there's 31, right? The Kraken join next year. They're the 32nd oh, NHL team. Vegas is the 31st. So, it's, so it's seven Canada teams and then eight, 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 which is pretty clean. Works out easy. Um, you would just have to kind of keep the Canada teams, you know, off to their own, and then assuming you know, that, that we don't get a vaccine as quick as we think, which, uh, you know, I'm an optimist. I think we're going to, um, you know, you'd have to have some contingency plans for how that works itself out. The central is pretty easy. Um, it's not that different from what the last time a division was when it was a central it's St. Louis, Nashville, Chicago, Detroit, Columbus, Carolina, Florida, and Tampa. And, and then no the metropolitan. And there's no plans to cross in others play outside of each division, essentially. I think you could for the three U.S. divisions, right. but you're, how are you? How are you going to do? You know, you can't do the Canada thing if you can't get yeah. in and out. So, right. um, unless you unless you have a plan where, uh, similar to what the NBA announced this week, you're going to do a 72, you know, game regular season, and let's just say 60 of it's in these divisions, and then the last 12, okay, we're all going to meet up in a bubble again with the teams that have the 16 best records. I don't know, but you're you're going to have to have something. The Metro Division writes itself. It's really easy because there's exactly eight teams that are kind of, you know, east of east of West Virginia, if you will, which is Buffalo, Boston, Washington, New Jersey, both the New York teams, Philadelphia, Pittsburgh. So that's pretty clean and easy. I just wonder if that's how they'll go about it, or if they'll basically say, okay, since Canada's you know got a travel restriction, those seven teams are only going to play each other until further notice, and everybody else is going to have you know, a, a full NHL schedule until, until amendments can be made. It's interesting. Justin, how do you feel, you know, about seeing a lot of St. Louis games as a Predators fan and Detroit and Chicago? I mean, I'm excited to see the Detroit matchups again, because, uh, yeah. well, I was going to say we're up, you're down, but hell we're down too. So, um, and you guys are probably bouncing back. This be, we probably won't welcome you guys back to, uh, our division, but, uh, yeah, that's an old rivalry that, uh, I, I'm interested to see again. I don't understand why you just can't, uh, import the Canadian teams to Seattle and run. The, I've seen scenarios where they're talking about doing a modified bubble where mm -hmm. you have a host city and you fly two you fly some teams in and they just play for two weeks and then they go home for a week. And so you would have, and you would have to stagger that with your hub cities to where you have constant play for the fans throughout the season. But something like that could work. I mean, just, just bring them into Canada, just like for the finals, the Americans went up to Canada. Why can't for the season next year, the Canadians come down to America. Um, I, you're worried about us coming into Canada. I don't know why you're worried about what you're exporting out if you're the Canadian prime minister, because it's not affecting you until they go back home. So 
let's let's bring them down here. Let's uh, find some hub cities, and, and they don't have to all be in Seattle. You you could sprinkle them out. I mean, I'm sure we can find a, a Atlanta could host one. I mean, where did the Thrashers play? Uh, I mean, we 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 have we have what facilities that we can use and get creative. What would be ideal is to bring them all down and do half and half in the two and find an area in both on both sides when you're talking about east and west that you could have cities within each other in other words cities that are, are really close to each other uh i don't know why this pops in my head because they don't have a freaking nhl team but i'm thinking of baseball with like chicago milwaukee right okay um but you, you, I think what would work best if you had two or three cities in the east, two or three cities in the west, but they're all fairly close to each other. So that, so when there is travel, it's not some big thing. It could be a bus ride as opposed to a, you know, a flight. You know, maybe you hit something like the New York area for one of them, because you would have access to the Rangers, Islanders, and Devils Stadium, right? And then, and then obviously all the other advantages you would get with having your uh, uh, the all the media market right there. And then down, and then and then the other one put it. Well, I hate being in California because just everything's always shut down there, and you're really playing a dangerous game putting it in California. But I don't but know Montana. Where, that seems like Alberta. Well, I'm talking about NHL stadiums. <laughs> I don't know where you would go unless you went with like Arizona, Las Vegas. And then picks maybe pick Los Angeles as a third one, and then if they start shutting crap down, you move everyone out of there and and put them in uh, Nevada. Because um, even though yeah, that's been or Vegas. Sorry, go ahead. No, that's been that's been another recommendation is to use cities where people are already playing as nest hubs, basically to house the Canadian teams. It's been mentioned to use Atlanta, who still has. Uh, a building where the Thrashers played. Most NBA arenas, um, it's not difficult to retrofit them for, you know, NHL purposes, right? It's there's not a lot structurally that you have to do different. You have the floor. You have to you have to pump in all the all the works that they used um, to freeze, you know, the ice over the hardwood, which is basically what those stadiums are. Kansas City you know, has that. Oklahoma City was actually built for multi-use, so they actually already have the structure. The structural stuff there to just turn it into an NHL arena overnight if you wanted to use something like that. So there's certainly options. Uh, there has been zero, and I do mean zero, leaks out of the NHL office, which is pretty rare. Usually EJ Raddick of NHL.com and some other guys, Scott Burnside of The Athletic, have people that, that feed them stuff, and there's been nothing coming out of Batman's office. So something's cooking. I don't know what it is. Um, I'm just you know going to be happy to, to get hockey back whenever that happens, and I do think they're going to – you know, I do think they're going to get a season off the ground just after the new year. I'm just waiting to hear some details, and, and I think they're coming soon. Really quick, because I know we got to move on. Uh, Justin, did you see the reverse retro jerseys that Adidas put out? This was a big, I wouldn't rep, a big... wipe my rear end with that jersey. That's how great it is. <laughs> so the Red Wings actually got the, the worst grade on most places because the Red Wings jersey is is just horrendous. It's just a white jersey with a red logo and three gray stripes. It's it's so lazy, it actually makes me hurt. But were there any you liked? I'll give you one, and then you can give me one if there were any you really liked. I really like the Minnesota Wilds jersey. Uh, they don't actually – that franchise doesn't actually own 
the rights to the Minnesota North Stars that that actually went to Dallas, right? That's the same ownership group that moved them from Minnesota to Dallas. But to put a little star in the eye of the wolf in Minnesota and to use that, you know, really electric yellow color scheme was pretty cool. Gave me some Minnesota North Stars flashbacks. Was there one that you liked? I don't know if Justin's frozen up or if he's just like saying. Yeah, that. I think he froze. Oh, I thought- <laughs> yeah, I froze up there. I apologize. Uh, this is anyway. I'll get it fixed, gentlemen. Um, and no, I saw the uh, Predators one, and I was so disgusted. And it was like you, my exact <laughs> words were, "That is lazy." Um, especially when we had the blue alternative jersey, which has always been mm-hmm. my favorite jersey. Um, it's my favorite to wear when I go to games. Um, I. It, Dude, the was, coyotes! I didn't is look. Terrible. I didn't look. I did coy- not look you past seen the, the Ari- Predators. Have you seen the Coyotes? It's terrible. It doesn't even oh, look. Breaking. What the hell is that? It looks. You're like, breaking my heart. It looks like something I would have dreamt drawn. Have you seen this one, Justin? It's like a. No. It looks like a. I don't know. It's, I will now. It looks. It looks like an Arizona. Look, it looks like a what a coyote would look like if you were on acid. Okay. Uh, the. Not that I would know about that. Uh, <laughs> the uh, the Boston Bruin one is not terrible. What is this first one? The Anaheim Ducks? This one's garbage, too. Looks like someone scribbled on there. Um, <laughs> the next one, Buffalo Saber. Eh, it's okay. I guess I mean, it's not, I'm not terrible. Um, I think the best one I've seen so far is the... I guess that's supposed to be the Carolina Hurricanes, but it, it, it's the old. Yeah, it's the brought old, back the Hartford Whalers. Yeah. yeah, I like the old school Kings jersey, looking like the yeah, Crown Royal. The, the old, old Crown Royal jersey. Dallas yeah, isn't the old terrible. school Kings Crown Royal jersey. Dallas isn't terrible because it's very very clean looking, right? Um, oh, the Carolina Hurricanes the, is sweet. I, I know y'all just talked about. it. I just saw it. Yeah, the uh, Hartford Whalers. Yeah, the Hartford Whalers. The, the Colorado Avalanche also. Um, Detroit's used isn't the bad. Quit. I like I Detroit's like Florida's. I, I like Florida. I I mean Detroit's isn't bad. It's just basic and plain. It's just the Red Wing logo yeah. on a gray shirt. The the Carolina <laughs> one is actually. I mean, excuse me. The Florida Panther one is actually might be might be my favorite one so far. Um, Florida's Florida's one of my favorites. The old leaping Panther without the shield, which is what they use now. Screw the Kings. That, is, that's an L.A. Laker freaking jerseys. What that is. <laughs> They're just trying to mono- they're trying to capitalize on, on on the Lakers' popularity in trying to sell Kings jerseys and Laker colors. Mac, I, I know you are, and you're going to have to purchase one of these, or we might have to pony up and get you one. But Calgary Flames, scroll through and find that one. That with your dragon fetish, that one is you, buddy. Calgary Flames. Let me find uh, <laughs> San Jose Sharks old throw sc- uh, throwback uh, jerseys. Yes, is, it, is that supposed to be a, a dragon? Well, I mean, I it's hope it's actually, not a horse. Uh, it it is a horse, actually. It looks like a dragon head, yeah, and it makes it, more sense as a dragon head with fire. I don't. I've never seen a horse blow fire, but that's Canadian for you. Just take them out of the league. Let's play the American Colorado League. one's terrible. I don't even know what the hell that's supposed to be. I guess it's an igloo or something, but it looks like I don't know. It and it looks like the Saints logos at the bottom. What the hell are the Colorado Avalanche doing? I really should have. That's uh, the. Um, that's the old Quebec Nordiques logo, which is who the Colorado Avalanche were before they were the Colorado well, Avalanche. Well, that's not they their the... fault, and you shouldn't <laughs> you shouldn't uh, punish the good people of Colorado to have to wear that. I like the Rangers logo. I mean, that's 
that's cool. You, you've got the uh, Statue of Liberty kicking there. Um, Check out the Capitals if you like the Rangers. Having Capitals, the, uh, Capitals is pretty good. Got Capitals the bald really eagle good. and the stars. It's uh, yep. that's hot right there. Got the, got the old bald eagle. I might have I to say, invest in one of them right there. Yeah, that actually looks. I will pretty say. Cool. Uh, I like the Jets. I, I, I like the Winnipeg Jets one. That's I will say sharp. I follow a lot of I follow a lot of Islanders fans on social media, and they were really mad because they really wanted the. Um, what is now been gone so long? It's suddenly cool again. They wanted that Gordon's Fisherman logo no, uh, jersey no, no, that they no. had in the nineties. Wrong, <laughs> wrong, wrong! That thing is terrible. It's trash. Don't ever bring it back. No, no. Um, <laughs> Vegas Golden Knights is garbage too. I don't know what the hell I'm looking at there, but it looks like it looks like it looks like a logo. If you tried to steal the idea of Game of Thrones and come out with your own show, that would be the logo. <laughs> If you, I don't know enough about the Game of Thrones to uh, intelligently talk off of that, but I'd say that if you stole the entire the entire storyline and you also uh, use uh, actor or characters' names that sounded really close to the original characters' names, that's the logo you would use right there. Goodness gracious, Pittsburgh's is uh, pretty pathetic considering you had the yeah, option of boring. bring back those beautiful baby blues they used to rock. Mm-hmm. Pittsburgh is boring as hell. Yeah, that's kind of how I felt with the Nashvilles. It, it was just boring. There was nothing done to it. I mean, there's a couple of them that are like that. Like, I don't really notice the difference in the Lightnings other than color scheme. I mean, I, I get it with some of the, the franchises. It the might problem be with going that Gordon Fisherman thing is that these things probably cost two, two, three hundred dollars a piece. I would think two hundred. You're not going to spend that kind of money on the Gordon Fisherman. You're just not going to, unless you work for the company. You're not going to do it. It just makes no sense. <laughs> The devil's one is sharp. But anyways, we, we got to move on from this because we, we got to get our uh, college football top five in uh, before before Justin jumps off. Fast break. He starts a fast break with plenty of room in front of him. Here they go again. It's showtime. Okay, so we'll fast break this one. Uh, college football top five. Sean, we're running out of time, so give me your top five. Justin, you give me yours, I'll give you mine, and then we'll circle circle back to any arguments. Sean, what you got? All right, five to one. Uh, Cincinnati is my fifth. Clemson's my fourth. Ohio State three. Notre Dame two. Alabama one. No change in my top four. Did move Cincinnati up. All right, and my number five will be uh, Florida. Number four, Clemson. Number three, Indiana. Number two, Notre Dame. Number one, Alabama. Ooh. I love it. Justin, I'm sorry. Uh, Sean, who, who was your number three? I was trying to jot this down on a – Ohio State. Ohio State, okay. Number three was Ohio gotcha. State. Okay. I like that Indiana one. Um, I, I'm, I'm not that bold yet, but if they knock off Ohio State this week, I'll look out. Hey, you, they've had the same common opponent. The only difference is Ohio State's played Nebraska. Indiana's played Michigan. Uh, I'm – Given Indiana the nod, we'll find out this Saturday. Yeah. Wait, is that game in the horseshoe or is it in Indiana? Oh, it's in Columbus. It's in Columbus. I think I think they're letting some fans in Ohio. I, I don't, they, they, don't, they don't have the full-blown shutdown like Whitmer does. You know, I'd like to punch her in the throat because... You can't I, say that. <laughs> We're going to be... I would, I, I would like I would like for some one of y'all to punch her in the throat. Um, You're gonna get a visit from the FBI. Yeah. After that last uh, takedown with them boys plotting up there, here we go. Uh, well, I don't mean. I'm sorry, I'm gonna be unavailable. I mean literally, for I mean figuratively, because um, 
obviously uh because when she gets on the freaking television and is smiling talking about how how everyone needs to be shut down and whatnot it's like what are you what are we doing over here right um it's just it's really snide the way she's taking she takes pleasure in the fact that everyone in her state's miserable is the is the is the short of it okay uh Moving on from that, before we get in, in um, uh, we get a federal investigation going here. Um, Clemson five, Ohio State four, BYU three, Alabama two, Notre Dame one. That's that, that's that, that's where I'm going right now. Uh, Notre Dame has beaten the best team uh, of anybody, so I've got to put them number one. That'll all get cleared up when they play each other again. So we'll figure out what that is. Alabama just looks like probably the best team in the country, but. Them losing Waddle does concern me, and I I, I like BYU. Um, uh, I don't know if they'll get a chance, but I would like to see them get a chance. I don't think it's fair what, what has happened to them. And then Ohio State and Clemson, they're going to kind of have to show me. Uh, of course, I'm saying this just as Trevor Lawrence is about to freaking – <laughs> he's about to go freaking bananas and uh he's he, he he came back yesterday to practice and you know he's foaming at the mouth to kick floor states but uh sean what's what's your argument for i mean your i mean yours is pretty chalk what's your argument for cincinnati being in the top five my argument for cincinnati is just that they're undefeated um and they've beat everybody on their schedule i really like what i've seen out of them uh, especially defensively i've always kind of thought of that school as as more of being like a mac school right where they they run spread offense and and kind of try and do a bunch of trickeration um but the games of theirs that i've watched luke fickle who's former ohio state head coach and i think is going to be a hot name this coming off season for a bunch of different jobs especially in the southeastern conference um really has that defense playing well I, they got three or four guys that look like they could play in the nfl and start on day one next year so uh, i've just been impressed in the times that i've watched them and i this is as much just a failure of, of imagination and, and viewership as anything. I've just seen them play more. I've only watched one BYU game, so I need to step that up. They just seem to have played at times where I haven't been able to watch them. Uh, Justin, your top five. My question to you is you already kind of addressed the Indiana. Why is Florida uh, at number five for you? <clears throat> Uh, because if I, I mean, I just feel like if I stack Florida against Cincinnati or BYU, they uh, they boat race at either school. Um, now I put BYU and Cincinnati in above an A and M, um, and I would probably lean BYU um, between those two. But uh, I think Florida, the way that they just throttled uh, Arkansas, who um, this isn't the Arkansas team of past. Uh, that, that was a pretty dominant performance that they they let a whooping on. Sam Pittman's crew, and uh, he, he showed a huge turnaround out there. So I, I just think that offense is steamrolling. I, I'd, I'd like to see it, though. Florida, BYU, big, great ball game. I would. I, this is the perfect year for them to have expanded the playoffs, and I just I can't believe what the NFL talking about expanding their playoffs. I can't believe this hasn't even been a conversation. That's what I don't understand. I mean, we're talking about expanding it one extra weekend. This is the perfect – Perfect year to find out if it would have been a good idea or not because you've got too many people, too many teams that you can argue in and you don't have the out-of-conference schedule to say, well, this team did this well, and that. You're you're going to get – Some of these cancellations might force that. You know, we've talked about what mm -hmm. are they going to do with this week or that week. Well, I mean – 
let, let me explain. Let me rephrase that because I'm about to lay some common sense down, and that's a superpower. So um, it, it <laughs> probably won't happen. Uh, why not just let the ones with the winning percentage in expand the playoffs, and then we find out it's a winner go home. Right. Uh, you know, it, it's the the playing gonna... game of the March Madness. I mean, what, why not have that instead of reschedule because some of these? The powers that be that, that run the NCAA playoffs have always been bullheaded on uh, when it comes to being open-minded, being trying new things new. This is the perfect year to see if you're going to do it because Isn't that where you do those you, things you, because if you do it this year and you don't like it or whatever, you don't have to do it next year. Everyone will always be like, remember back when they did eight teams in the playoffs or seven. I've always liked seven, you know that, but you know, put seven teams in the playoffs and, Alabama or Notre Dame or whoever got the bye week. That was so cool. You know, da 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 da. But they, they won't do it because they, they're 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 afraid to to expand. And you know what the and you know what it comes down to? It comes down to a lot of these nuts that run the universities. They are going to try to preach to you that they don't want to put the kids in jeopardy an extra weekend. Which is just nonsense. But that's that's what they're gonna try to preach to you. And so that's 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 where we're going to lose it. Uh, you know, it's like you said, it's a superpower, and uh, the powers that be do not have it. They, you know, they're they're, they're probably outnumbered as hell. It's probably like it's like Justin and I were talking about yesterday how everyone's uh, you know, there's probably two or three guys in the room arguing over why you shouldn't have the DH uh, <laughs> up top at the MLB, and there's thirty people going, yeah, but yeah, but you know, it helps the offense and this and that. And there's, you know, a handful of people going, yeah, but these, these are, these are the bad things that'll come from it. And no one's going to listen to it. Strangely enough though, you would think a money grab would be the reason why you would do something. And no, they, you just can't, we had to wait decades for them to put a 14 playoff in four teams. That is not exactly a playoff to be perfectly honest with you. That's a mini tournament. It's not a playoff. And this is after we had the dreaded computer system, the BCS. <laughs> I bitch and moan when I am in a 10 or 12 team fantasy football league and only four teams get in the playoffs. Think about that. I bitch and moan when there's four allowed into like a 12 person league, right? Because I'm in a couple of those. <laughs> There's four that are allowed into a 130-person league is what we got going on. It's it's absurd, and you can't you cannot compare the different. Uh, it's just stupid. It's stupid. You the the power five should get automatics, and then you should have two to three uh, at larges, and away we go. I'm not for turning into a field of 64. Don't get me wrong. Anyways, Justin, what is your uh, walk off for the day, sir? Uh, I'm just going to follow up with the uh, sense isn't always common. So why do we keep calling it common sense? <laughs> Have a good day, gentlemen. All right, brother. Confucius is out. <laughs> <laughs> All right, we're, we're going to be back in a flash. When we come back, we are going to be talking about the NFL top uh, power five. That should be a hell of a debate, especially with all the teams at three losses like we just talked about. And also... <laughs> We're going to get into the NBA draft. It is today. And what do we expect to see both in the draft and the presentation? We'll be back in a flash here on the Armchair Quarterbacks. Keep it locked in. CBS Sports Radio. 
You're listening to the Armchair Quarterbacks on CBS Sports Radio, number one sports station. Good morning, and this is your Armchair Quarterbacks Sports Flash. Boston Celtics and forward Gordon Hayward have agreed to push the deadline back for his $34 million player option for the 2020-2021 season back from its original deadline from 5 p.m. Tuesday to 3 p.m. Thursday. By extending the deadline for another two days, both sides get a chance to assess their options before Hayward needs to make a decision on his future. Hayward, 30 years old, averaged 17.5 points, 6.7 boards, 4.1 assists in 52 games for the Celtics this past season, while shooting 50% from the field, 38% from three-point range. He suffered a grade three sprain on his right ankle in game one of Boston's first round playoff series versus the Sixers inside the NBA's bubble at the Walt Disney World Resort. The injury kept him out until midway through the Eastern Conference Finals against the Miami Heat, which they would go on to lose. The NBA draft is tonight at 8 o'clock on ESPN. The first round looks like this. The number one pick will go to the Minnesota Timberwolves, followed by the Golden State Warriors, Charlotte Hornets, Chicago Bulls, Cleveland Cavaliers have the fifth pick, followed by the Atlanta Hawks and Detroit Pistons at number seven. The Knicks, Wizards, and Suns round out the top ten. Other teams of interest drafting in the first round, the San Antonio Spurs draft at number 11, with the Pelicans having the 13th pick. The Boston Celtics will draft 14th, 26th, and 30th overall in the first round. Orlando Magic sit at 15. Minnesota has a second pick at number 17. The Dallas Mavericks have the 18th pick. The Miami Heat sit at number 20. And the Philadelphia 76ers are 21st. The New York Knicks also have a pick at number 27. And the Los Angeles Lakers, the defending champions, will draft at 28th, followed by the Raptors at 29th. And that's your armchair quarterback's wake-up show, CBS Sports Flash. Stay tuned for more of the Armchair Quarterbacks on these CBS affiliates, our Facebook Live, and the Armchair Quarterbacks app. Tap that app today. You get a whole lot of something with Farmer's Policy Perks. So much, I'm going to have to speed things up. You can get the Farmer's Signal app, and that could get you up to 15% off your auto policy. That's just for using the app and driving like the normal speed-limited hearing full-stop making lane-change signaling human being you are. Get a whole lot of something with Farmers Policy Perks. Start with a quote by calling 1-800-FARMERS. We are farmers. Bum, 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 bum. Gaspacho, por favor. Por favor? <laughs> I'm part Spanish. Adios, muchacho. You don't care about what I think. Think I'll just stay here and drink. Welcome back here to the Armchair Quarterbacks. Hey, Got an abbreviated show today. We're going to... Uh, uh, dip off here on Facebook Live uh, about quarter till the hour. Uh, there's someone I've got to, somewhere I've got to be, and I just don't have enough time to to do it. If I take it all the way to ten o'clock hour, uh, people listening to the uh, radio, we will keep going as I, as I've got a a uh, segment that's being piped in afterwards. So when you hear the the uh, the sign off, so to speak, here, if you're listening to the radio, you will not hear that till the end. Um, Anyways, since we are abbreviated, what the hell am I doing yapping about the fact that we're abbreviated? We've got to get to getting on this. Uh, the 
Sean, this Power Five, it's getting more and more muddled, more and more difficult every single week. And I'm curious to see where you went this week. So give me your number five, and I'll do the same. We'll go back and forth. So my number five, um, in keeping with uh, the swag I've recently purchased, my, my favorite adopted AFC team of the last several years, is the Miami Dolphins, um, who I think are still going to probably win that division. Um, there's a few tests coming up, including this week at Denver, um, which is always kind of um, a trap for teams who are on the rise. Uh, but Miami's my number five. Uh, at number four, I have the New Orleans Saints. Um, still not sure that they're the best team in that division, but we'll we'll see. Uh, as of now, they've swept the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, so I can't really put the Bucks ahead of them. At number three, I've got the Green Bay Packers. Um, again, I'm, I'm very, very dubious of um, a lot of things about that team, including the offensive line being able to protect Aaron Rodgers and the defense being able to really stop anybody. Um, but they've at least beaten the teams that are in front of them. This week will be a real test going to Indianapolis. If that's a game that they lose, uh, you know, the Colts move up several spots and they move down several spots. Pittsburgh's number two for me and Kansas City, the Chiefs are still number one. Uh, big, big, big revenge game for them. Uh, big replay game for them this week against the Raiders, uh, which I believe is the Monday night football game, if I'm not mistaken, or Sunday night, maybe. Sunday night, um, Sunday night. Sunday night. Monday yeah, night, we I knew do get a good one as well. Monday night, we get Tampa Bay and the Rams. And oh, then tomorrow really? night, tomorrow we get uh, the NFC West show. Cardinal Seahawks. Yeah. yeah. So three very good, very, very good nighttime games, uh, which is yep. rare, very rare. So uh, they, they've they shown Seahawks versus Cardinals for decades, and it's finally going to be a good game. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's how, that's, that's Literally how decades. They can't wait for the Titans and Jaguars to become you know, a battle of undefeateds. <laughs> um, <laughs> so run that at we run that at me one more time. One of the stations were, was contacting me, so I couldn't write down the whole. I only wrote down the last two. Kansas City, Pittsburgh, and then what else? Green Bay, New Orleans, and then the Miami Dolphins at number five. Okay. So I'm still on the fence about the Dolphins because their quarterback play is getting better, but two is not going to win you in any kind of a shootout. He, uh, not, it's not all his fault. He's got a terrible receiving core and he's, he, he's had some good luck along the way. Yeah. He's got a three game winning streak, but that Rams game, was won by special teams in the defense. They created 21 points by themselves. So there's games like that that I say, okay, I don't know if if they push comes to shove in, in come January, they're going to make a deep run. But I do. I am impressed with what the Dolphins are doing, but I'm going to hold off on, on that for just a bit. Uh, New Orleans, what I will say about that is I can't put New Orleans in my top five because Jameis Winston's the quarterback now. And unless we see some big... You know, some big maturation from him. What we what we've seen for several years is the the guy turns the ball over a lot, and that puts a lot of pressure on your defense. So I, I have a hard time going with New Orleans there. I like Green Bay's uh, my top three, honestly, and, and and then I'll hit the other two. Uh, my top three only differ from you in the fact that I got Pittsburgh number one and Kansas City number two, but I've got Green Bay number mm. three. Uh, Pittsburgh until Pittsburgh's not undefeated, I I have to put them at number one. They're finding ways to win games in games that sometimes they don't necessarily look like 
the best team on the field, but that's what that's what great teams do. You're going to have bad games. You're going to have bad game plans. You're just going to have bad days where you don't where, where where your quarterback is missing routes by like an inch, right? And right. what could have been something what could have been a big play ends up being an incomplete pass on a punt. And so right. uh I still think in my heart of hearts that Pittsburgh's going to make a deep deep run in the playoffs. You got Ben Roethlisberger who obviously is new no, uh, he, he he's not exactly new to the NFL playoffs, so we're not going to get shocked by him making a <laughs> deep run. And this might be his best receiving core he has ever had, top to bottom. And I go back to the days of Heinz Ward. This might be the best receiving core he has ever had. Uh, when you've got Claypool and Johnson and Schuster and not to mention a lot of options that he can dump down to no matter who the running back is. I like Pittsburgh a lot. Green Bay, to me, they won a nasty, ugly game against Jacksonville last week. It, it makes you pause a little bit. But the key is they won it. They found a way to win it. And they found a way to win in bad weather. That's going to be key because they're probably going to be at home for at least the first – well, depending on how many uh, teams we end up with in the playoffs. But let's say it ends up being eight teams. They're going to be at home for at least the first two rounds. So yeah. the Green Bay being able to win in cold weather is going to be key. And we saw how good they are even when Williams had to step in for Jones. That that was huge in my book because you know, you know when these running backs lose it, they lose it fast. And it looks like Jamal Williams is still a capable running back. And then if something happens to either one of them, you still have a pretty good rookie in uh, Dylan that uh, has really been yet – it really has yet to be utilized, but he is an option. And that receiving core just got stronger because Lazard came back yesterday. So uh, he, he's actually off the IR. My number four is the Las Vegas Raiders. Give me the Raiders. <laughs> that that team is playing good. Their defense is playing much better. And Derek Carr is proving a lot of naysayers, Max Kellerman, that he can be a decent quarterback in the NFL. Do I think he is going to be the next freaking Pat Mahomes? Hell no. But you don't have to be that to win in the NFL. Tannehill showed that last year, and that's really what he's doing. He's pulling a Tannehill. He's just at the same location. He's playing very good football, figuring out a way to win and not lose games with a running game, a pretty good receiving core, arguably the best tight end in football. I mean, you. I would put... Talent-wise, I would put Waller up there with Kelsey and uh, any of them, to be honest with you. Um, and then there, and to be honest with you, one of the things that gets overlooked by by the Raiders is their special teams is really good, and so they they help flip the field, and they're they're just doing a good job of playing good, solid football. It's going to be scary to see what that team could be if they ever let fans in that in the in their uh, stadium. Um, yep. And then my number five, and this could change in a heartbeat, literally in 48 hours I could be singing a different tune, but my number five is the Arizona Cardinals. Um, mm. I like the way they're playing. Yeah, they needed a miracle to beat Buffalo. I get that. Uh, Buffalo might have won that game six times out of ten, but they didn't get the job done. And when you have Murray and you have D-Hop, and you have a veteran like Fitzgerald who can move the chains for you. And you've got a defense that I think is playing much better, much better than they did at the beginning of the year. 
Yeah, they lost the game against Miami, but I think they I think they were caught napping. I think Arizona's a really good team. And the more that they use Edmonds and less Drake in their game planning, I think they become even more dangerous. And what yeah. we thought last year was Lamar Jackson could be the future of NFL quarterbacks. And it was right under our nose the entire time. I contend Murray, Kyle Murray is the future of NFL quarterbacks. It's going to be difficult to find. <laughs> yeah. A guy they don't that, grow can, on trees. That, that is basically a point guard running around out there because he's lightning quick. He's not, Jackson is fast. Murray is lightning quick. And if there is a God in the heavens above, he will keep him healthy his entire career. So I worry about him taking a really bad smack from a guy. You know, these guys are six times mm -hmm. the size. But he does have the baseball background, so he knows how to slide. Him and Russell Wilson are the two best sliders in football. I can watch that all day. I can watch a highlight reel of the two of them sliding. It's just it's poetry in motion. But that's that's my top five, and that's how I how I got to that. Uh, can we just one more? Can yeah. we just one more time pour some dirt on Bill O'Brien's grave? DeAndre Hopkins for David Johnson oh. in the second round pick. What a <laughs> yeah! The hell was he doing? You know, we my talked favorite. about that. We talked about that in whenever that trade went down. I remember the the first thing. The, the, that I said to Justin that day was, well, we'll always be able to circle back to why Bill O'Brien got fired. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> well, we didn't get along. They didn't get along. You couldn't get along with DeAndre Hopkins. I've never heard one thing come bad out of DeAndre Hopkins. Not one. And what they did, this is when they screwed up when they when they made him the, the, the general manager. They basically made him a czar. And he could, he had no one to answer to. And he was not ever going to turn anything into anything in Houston because he was so he was so concentrated on being the general manager that I think that he lost the big side of things as far as well, how am I going to implement these players in my offense? Right. And he took a sucker deal to to think David Johnson was going to be. Any, we saw David jo Johnson deteriorate. For three years out in Arizona. Yep. It's unbelievable. Yeah, it's I um I, I couldn't believe it when it happened. And the Texans franchise is really if you actually, you know, want to do a deep dive on it, not that anybody should, but I did, has really been kind of in disarray since the owner, Bob McNair, passed away, right? His son's now kind of running the team, but he's not really a football person. He's he's never really run any of the family businesses. Right. And, and Bob, McNair, Bob McNair got sick and, and died, like, in the course of a year. Like, it, it wasn't super expected. So, uh, like a lot of franchises, I'm certainly example A of this with the Detroit Lions. The Ford family has owned the Lions for, you know, since the 1960s. Right. And they've never won anything. And if you have, if you have bad leadership or ineffective leadership, which is kind of, I think what's going on in Houston right now. I mean, they're still paying Bill O'Brien for another three years, right? And, and he's not going to be around, but he has impacted the next five years of that team with drafting. He traded two first round picks for Laramie Tunsil. So we just talked about the dolphins a minute ago. The oh, dolphins they're only going to get better. Pick. Yeah. Dude, and Houston's going to be dolphins, trash. Houston's going to be trash. And the, and, and the Dolphins are going to get those draft picks. The Dolphins have a terrifying defense, a, a 
right now top seven head coach in the league, in my opinion. I mean, he's just he's pushing all the right buttons. You've got potentially a franchise quarterback. We don't really know, but I I love what I see out of him so far. His maturity and his leadership, and he's not being asked to do much. And when he is asked he's to do definitely something, not Josh Rosen. I, I, you know, he's not. He's right. definitely not Josh Rosen. You've got a franchise left tackle in Laramie Tunsil, who's better pass blocker than run blocker, but he's very good at keeping people off Tua. And you've got this franchise's picks in the first round for the next two years, which they're going to be terrible. More, I don't to see get what, more blue chip players. So, <laughs> Just, so, so Houston's going to be a top ten, probably top five draft pick this year. I don't see yeah. how they're going to change it around next year. And poor Deshaun Watson, I ah, poor is the wrong word. The guy just signed a multi-million He's not dollar. Poor. Right. He's not poor. But I'm saying his fortune, you know, his fort. Well, that's a bad word too. His. <laughs> I feel bad for Deshaun Watson because he's a very talented player and he's going to get overlooked for the next few years because him and Will Fuller are the only two things that I see on that offense that says talent to me. The rest, Signs are- the rest is dried up scrubs. Brandon Cook, Cooks, uh, Johnson, David Johnson, yeah. hell, Duke Johnson. Pick, pick both Johnsons. You got David Johnson and Duke Johnson out there stinking it up. And... Kiki Kute, I don't, know, is old. I don't know what the hell happened to Kiki Kute. I, I guess he's the water boy now, but uh, <laughs> you, you, that team has got nothing, and they can't keep a tight end healthy to save their life. So, yeah, that team. And the defense is getting old. The defense has gotten old overnight. Whitney oh. Merciless is now old. J.J. Watt's now old trade and JJ has Watt. had a bunch if, of injuries. If anyone will take J.J. Watt, you've got to trade him. You've got to because he Thank is, He's a it, good it's piece funny. on an already good defense. He is not someone to build around anymore. He nope. never was. It's funny, he was how things, it's funny how things change quickly. Two years ago, Houston was the center of the sports world, right? You Astros had just won the World Series. Rockets got James Harden and Chris Paul. And, and signs were pointing up in Houston because they yep. got Deshaun. And now, dude, the Rockets are the Rockets are in purgatory for the next The Longhorns have just gotten to- Herman. Right, and the irony—the only thing that's worth a damn in the state of Texas nowadays—is Jimbo Fisher and Texas A&M. And who would have had that? Who would have had that? I know I wouldn't have. Let's take a quick break. We're going to go to the NBA draft. We'll be back in sixty seconds. Keep it locked in here on the Armchair Quarterback, CBS Sports Radio. Make contact. A collective psychosis is sweeping the nation. We're in the thick of the haze craze, and Elysian is introducing an altered state of IPA. Contact Haze is a tangled chemistry of mild haze, low bitterness, and an explosion of hop aroma. This hazy IPA bursts with notes of bright raspberry, currant, citrus, guava, and passion fruit. Available in six-pack cans in stores and in all Seattle Elysian locations. Make contact. Armchair Quarterbacks Radio. We got your shelter in place right over here. The weekends in the fall just got a hell of a lot better. Saturday mornings, it's Dixie Football Nation, 8 a.m. to 9 a.m. We talk SEC, ACC, the Big Ten, and more. It's the only true Southern football kickoff show on Facebook Live. You don't want to miss it. 8 to 9 Eastern Saturdays. The Armchair Quarterbacks have got you covered all football season long. Once I am officially regional manager, my first order of business will be to demote Jim Halpert. So I will need a new number two. My ideal choice, Jack Bauer. 
but he is unavailable, fictional, and overqualified. Women can't live with them, and somehow you can't ever live without. Welcome back. The NBA draft is tonight. But trying to what makes fall is in the air. Thanksgiving's on the horizon. We've got the NBA draft kicking uh, tonight. Uh, really weird, but it's a, it's a nice break on a Wednesday night to be able to have something like this. Um, they might as well start doing the draft every year on this date because it's not like any of the players are going to keep playing. Uh, <laughs> anyone worth a damn in college basketball is going to is is going to just start sitting out a year. Uh, that's essentially <laughs> what a Lamella Ball did, and uh, Lamella Ball. Uh, who went over to Australia as opposed to play college basketball for a year. He says that he is a much better player for it. We'll see what happens. But he looks like it's going to be between him and Wiseman with Minnesota in the first pick if there's not a trade. Um, and I think I would go with Ball. I, I can't believe I'm saying that after just the disdain that I have for his dad and the way he's in, interrupted his kids' lives for so long. But I've, I've got to go with it. I gotta go with with uh, the you know the ball pick. What what say you? Well, the latest uh, scuttlebutt is that the Timberwolves are not really locked into any any one player um, based on fit. Most draft analysis people online have the Minnesota Timberwolves taking Anthony Edwards, uh, the guard out of Georgia, at number one if they keep the pick. I can't remember the last time there was an NBA draft, and obviously this year is you know special circumstances. But I can't remember the last time there was an NBA draft where there was this much unknown going into the night of the draft. There's so many see, teams. I just in don't this. see. I don't see Edwards going number one. I just don't. I they won't take Wiseman because you just can't play Wiseman and Towns together. Um, I think their concern about Lamelo Ball is that D'Angelo Russell um, does not exactly have the warmest relationship with the Ball family. Um, remember, he was basically shipped off to Brooklyn so that the Lakers could draft Lonzo. And that was at the behest of, you know, basically Magic Johnson, who, you know, had had Lamar Ball up in his ear. Um, and they ended up taking Lonzo that year. And that's how he got shipped to Brooklyn. So remember, D'Angelo Russell got his way to Carl Anthony Towns in Minnesota. That franchise, I mean, you, going back to the last segment, you want to talk about rudderless franchises. That owner has been trying to sell that team for a decade. Can't get anybody to buy if it. If they end up drafting Anthony Edwards, that is the biggest gift that they can get. Of course, that I mean that I mean that would just be the that would just be par for the course, would it? That would be a Timberwolf thing to do. Drafting Anthony Edwards, um, he kind of reminds me of uh, oh, what's the guy's name? Went to Minnesota from the Cleveland trade. Uh, Wiggins, he kind of looks. Wiggins. He, he kind of reminds me of that kind of player, someone who's okay, who goes pretty good, but he's not someone you build a franchise around. And if they do that and basically give the, what you're going to do at that point is you're going to give Golden State dealers choice. Because yeah. I, I don't think they have any desire to draft Edwards. I would be surprised if that's their guy. I think they're probably planning on taking Wiseman at number two. I don't think they want to draft anybody at all. I think they want to package that pick to get somebody who can help them win now. And, you know, I'll I'll get to that in a minute. I was going to mention the Pistons. There have been a bunch of rumors about who they could get. Um, the, the only Pistons-centric one I've seen would be Blake and the number seven pick, the Golden State for the number two pick. 
uh, because the Pistons may want to take. Yeah, but why would they want Blake? I think Blake's a little washed up. I I I agree, and I hate it that we took on his contract, but I don't think Golden State wants to pick a rookie at all. Now forced to do so, I can see I them taking Wiseman. I can see. I can see him taking Wiseman. That's too. that's their glaring need as a big man, and he can learn. Under you know you know under the wing of J- of uh, Draymond Green and of course you got all the all the guards are going to be back next year you don't have a real reason to have an Edwards or a, or a uh, Lamelo Ball. Nope. You've got. Nope. Is it the Hornets that are sitting at number three? Yep. Okay. Charlotte. Wouldn't that be a gift to Michael Jordan if he could get Lamelo Ball? <laughs> Here's LeVar Ball in your stands every night. <laughs> yeah, I mean, but he'd I, probably love Well, first of all, if there's but. one person that would walk over and tell LeVar, Le, LeVar Ball to kick rocks and shut up, it's Michael Jordan. So <laughs> be Michael Jordan. that that yeah. would be the ultimate, you know, just stop it. Stop it right there. That's that's the end of Ball, right? Um, but I'm talking from a talent standpoint. Now, a now what would probably happen is that the Michael Jordan – Hornets thing to do would be to go out and draft like, you know, Isaac Okoro of Auburn and he would turn into just yeah. straight trash and then that would give ball to the Chicago Bulls and wouldn't that be exciting for Bulls fans who haven't had anything to really pull for since the injuries of uh well oh the the damn point guard Derrick Rose. Derrick Rose, yeah. Derrick Rose. Every time I think of him, I think of him bricking fe- uh, current piston, current piston Derrick Rose, well, by the way. Yeah. Exactly. I for bet a, I bet for about to... another for about another two weeks until the Lakers walk in and offer him a bag of cash, which is exactly what's going to happen. You heard it yeah. here first. Well, he's. I mean, he's. You know, he's a, sh- a shadow of his former self. I don't think that's the biggest thing. Um, the the one thing very that, good. The, the one thing very that jumped, good six man. That's it. The one thing that catches my eye more than anything else, just as a Florida State basketball fan, they've got two guys that could go in the top ten in Patrick Williams and Devin Vassell. I think Devin Vassell is more likely to help you now. Patrick Williams, the sky is the limit for this kid, but he is very very raw. But he's an athlete. He's a flat out athlete. Um, Devin Vassell would be a good addition to, well, I, I guess I have to be realistic in who's drafting in, in that area. Devin Vassell would be a good, I'll tell you what, he'd be a nasty uh, addition to the freaking Spurs. That is a that is a definite landing spot for him. I can see Patrick Williams going to, uh, to as high as to the Knicks. Uh, he's, like I said, he's a very, very talented player. He won't get past he won't get past the Pistons. Um, all the reports out of Detroit are that Troy Weaver, the general manager, is is in love with him. And Troy Weaver was the assistant general manager under Sam Presti in Oklahoma State or Oklahoma State, <laughs> Oklahoma City with the Thunder. Um, and their their draft history was young guys with big wingspans and physical gifts who defend their butts off, and they'll teach them you know to shoot. And kind of play within the constructs of the offense. They've drafted guys like that for years. Um, I Patrick Williams doesn't get past the Pistons. Every Pistons blog has had Patrick Williams go in there for a month. I'm very excited about that. I watched a lot of Florida State basketball last year, not just because of of our relationship, but just because they were fun to watch. They were a great team to watch. Leonard Hamilton, you know, ha- is really building something um, down in Tallahassee with that program. So I've seen Patrick Williams, you know, in person. And I am very, very impressed with what I see. And if that's if him and Christian Wood 
and Sekou Dumboya is what you're building around, you've got three guys who can all play the three, the four, the five, who have like eight foot wingspans. That's that's pretty nuts. That's tough to play against from a defensive standpoint. Well, well that's you still need guards. I mean, that's essentially what Litter Hamilton does at FSU. Is yeah. He just throws athletes at you. And I don't know if you can do that in the NBA. I still say the NBA is a star league, and it's all about the stars. But is Patrick Williams the next big star? No, but he could be a, an elite uh, starter. I don't think he's a guy that you're going to build your, your, your team around like a Lamella Ball could be, but he could be a, a great addition. Boston, by the way, we have three picks in the uh, first round. We get the 30th, 26th, and then we pick as high as 14. Now, there's been so many rumors that have been flying out of Boston about whether or not they might pick, take all these picks and move up, which is what mm-hmm. Matt Carr and I talked about this on Friday. Uh, hell, we probably talk about it every day, but we talked about it on air on Friday that we want to see it, man. We Take those three picks and let's go. I'm tired of having all these – picks that end up turning into future picks because they'll get down to the end of the first round. You won't even see them use their picks. They'll they'll turn them into, well, this will be a first-round pick from the Charlotte Hornets in 2026, and by then the Hornets <laughs> will have found out a way to be middle of the pack in the NBA and doesn't do any damn good. I want to see them finally take these picks and move up. I hope someone will do it. I hope someone – I would love to see them make a move with Golden State. Give Golden State all the all – the, I mean, Golden State – I don't know. That could that could be a move that Golden State could do. Um, Minnesota should do it, which was one of the yep. first rumors. But you would have thought, thought that if they were going to do it, they would have done it by now. Minnesota needs depth much more than they need one player. The Boston Celtics need that one player that's going to take them over the edge. Or maybe even package the 14 pick and the 26 pick to push up and get one of the players that we've just mentioned, Right. I would be okay with that. If you're going to lose, use all three, though, I want one of the top two picks. I don't want to be, you know, top three at the worst. I don't want to just move up a couple of picks for three. But if you if you could get up there, and I'm really interested about this kid from Israel, uh, Denny. Denny uh, Avdia. Yeah, because they say that he is going to be an elite player. And there used to be this connotation that you didn't want to take risks on kid for on kids from overseas. But look, Luka Donich has has has, has killed all that, along with a lot mm-hmm. a slew of other players over the I'll say the last fifteen years. They they've they've really become a part of the NBA vernacular. Where if you can draft well overseas, you you can build a team. Ask ask Denver, right? Yeah. Um, so I'm interested 40, in it. 42nd overall pick, I believe Jokic was 42nd overall. So, I mean, yeah, it's you take a swing on a guy like that and it hits like, I mean, you just set up your franchise for the next dozen years because that wasn't a wasted pick. What the Celtics need is a James Wyman or the kid out of USC, the center uh, Onika Ngongwu. Ngongwu. But, I, but I'm not I'm not the biggest fan of him because he, he he didn't jump off off the tape with me when he was at USC. I think he's just being kind drafted of an undersized high. centers. Yeah, right. he's six nine. He's I only think, six nine. I so. think he's being just honestly overvalued because he's one of the few centers that's that's worth drafting in the first round. You don't see mm-hmm. any other center on the on the big board 
right? And so I I think I'd rather go with Toppin from Dayton, uh, Williams from Florida State. You know, do you take a chance on a kid from Hayes from France? I don't know. Um, I'm not trusting anyone from Vanderbilt. Naismith, I'm not drafting him. <laughs> Look, Vanderbilt's been terrible at football for years. They've been terrible at basketball for about five years. And so uh, Van, Van, Vanderbilt's got a couple of te- guys in the in the draft that people are falling over. I'm like, well, where the hell were the wins at if they were so good? This is a five-person sport. This isn't like football. You're like, man, this defensive end from the University of Wichita you can really you can really jump off the ball, and that can usually be the case. But if there is a basketball player that's worth a damn, you usually know about it, and he's jumping off the screen at you come March Madness. But that's not right. the case of what's going on right now. So, um, anyways, with all that being said, where do you think Detroit will draft? I think they will draft at seven unless um, I mean, there's a deal. I mean, I think they're going to take Pat. I think they're going to take Patrick Williams. If if somebody doesn't leapfrog them that has fallen in love with him, and listen, the only teams that Patrick Williams, as far as we know, did private workouts for were the Detroit Pistons, the New York Knicks, and the Boston Celtics. The Knicks are curiously one pick behind Detroit. They're at eight. Detroit's at seven. The Celtics are all the way down at fourteen. The Celtics but, worked out a but, lot of players, but but they are the but, but they're one of the teams that could package together and leapfrog. So. Um, could they be jumping ahead and, you know, put two picks to, to, to jump to a team like Atlanta who needs more depth than anything else? Yep. Um, I just, the, you know, the other big news that came out yesterday from the Boston Celtics was that Gordon Hayward, he, they were supposed to have a yay or a nay on his, on whether he was going to take his. Uh, contract extension yesterday afternoon at 5 p.m. Eastern, and instead yep. they've punted that to 3 p.m. tomorrow. They both agreed to that, and I find that very interesting because could he be a part of a trade, right? Yep. Is it is that why, or is it because Gordon Hayward wants to see who the Celtics pick before he makes a decision on whether he wants to come back? Because, yes, $31 million is a lot to – to uh, to make in one year, but these NBA mm-hmm. players make a ridiculous or overpaid to begin with. Okay, um, right. If he declares himself a free agent, he could probably make close to that per year. But the big picture is he could probably go out and get a four year deal, right? Right. And could he decide to do that, or if he thinks that the Celtics have a run and he's going to be a major part of that and not get pushed out by someone that they draft of, of his same ilk? Um, then he might say, you know what, I'll do one more year with Boston and then we'll see if they want to resign me or someone else. But I want to help my brand, so to speak, because he missed most of the playoffs because of an injury. So that's not helping him. He's being lo- he's now being looked upon as an injury-prone guy. Because remember the first year with Boston, he broke his freaking uh, femur in half on like the second play of the, uh, of the entire season. Um, yep. Dislocated ankle, snapped right off. I'm a little, I'm interested in that. Are they going to move him? But I kind of would have liked for for 
I mean, honest with you, if I'm running the team, I would kind of like to know what he was going to do. But 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 they both agreed to it, so there must be a reason why they want to agree. Why Ainge said it's okay. I believe, and this is this is very deep. You know, this is very deep state kind of stuff. But from all the reading I've done, there's a, a very popular opinion that this was um, agreed to by both parties, by Gordon Hayward and the Boston Celtics. Keep an eye on what Golden State does tonight. If you hear nothing out of Golden State and they just draft Wiseman, there's a very, very strong rumor that that's where Golden Hayward is headed. And it's basically going to be Hayward to Golden State for Wiseman and a future pick, which is probably not going to amount to a whole lot. Because, listen, Boston's been just a house of horrors for Gordon Hayward. He's been injured. You know, he snapped his ankle right off. He has not opted into that $31 million. And usually players don't kick away guaranteed money unless they know they're getting more years. So I would keep an eye on that because it could be a sign and trade for Wiseman straight up. And then Hayward agrees to, you know, a three-year, you know, a three-year $75 million. I think if they do that, though, they're going to give up one of their picks for this year. You would think so. One of their first round picks. Now, at the same token, you could see the Celtics drafting a guy that you're like, why the hell did they draft him? And they package him and Hayward to go to Golden State, right? So mm-hmm. there, you know, there's a lot of options there. I don't know why you wouldn't just go ahead and make the trade and get Gordon Hayward on his merry way. Say, hey, Hayward. Golden State wants you. They're going to pick up your 31 mil, and then they're going to work with you on a on a long-term extension, possibly. Hmm. There's no real reason why Gordon Hayward shouldn't do that. No, not at all. You become, but but here, but here's the question: How many balls are there in a, in Oakland, California? I mean, how many <laughs> scores do you One. need? And yeah. uh, I get it that that would just give him another weapon, but my God. Um, you're talking about I still think that at the end when it's all said and done, their their glaring issue is gonna be what are they gonna do at uh as a big man outside of Draymond Green. Yeah, because Draymond Green's one of the smallest big men there are. He plays big, but as far as size wise, he just doesn't re- but I'll tell you what, I could see Hayward working in into that offense. Yeah. Gordon Hayward would flourish in that offense. With him, he's and, and Clay. He's a small. He's a small forward version of Clay. That's not as good of a three point shooter. He's really good at running like back cuts and screens and things like that. It's a really, really underrated skill that he's really, really good at. Yeah, but you know what? You that. can't have five guys camp behind the three point line. So, yeah, no, you sure can't. It might be a good thing to be perfectly honest with you. Uh, it's really, really interesting. Let's do some turn back times and then we'll do our walk offs. There we go. On this state in sports history, here's an interesting one. Brett Saberhagen and Dwight Gooden win the AL and NL Cy Young Awards in 1985. Um, It's kind of late in the year. I'm kind of surprised that they they released it that long. Um, And in this this date, 1987. The Hawk, Andre Dawson, becomes the first player from a last place club, from the last place club to win the MVP. I I, I always remember that year. I remember I, 
Like it was yesterday, he hit 49 home runs. I, I remember that because I didn't think he would win it, and they gave it to him, and there was a big, big hubbub about, well, is this should should they change it from the MVP to the MOP, meaning most outstanding player? Uh, birthdays. It's your birthday. Talked about this man yesterday. He is now 52 years old. Gary Sheffield of the Florida Marlins from Tampa, Florida. Played for the Braves, played for the Dodgers, played for a slew of teams. Uh, Gary Sheffield, 52 years old. And speaking of Florida State basketball, E.T. himself, Sam Cassell, is now 51 years old. Of course, he famously played for the Nets, and then he was on the two-time back-to-back champion uh, Houston Rockets teams. Uh, I did not know he was from Baltimore, Maryland. I don't know why I would not know that. Here's an here's another name from the past. Fifty one years old, same same age, born on the same day. Was born in the same area in Elizabeth, New Jersey. There must have been something in the water that day. Rakeeb Ismail, the Rocket. Fifty one years old, the original. And uh, David Ortiz, well, he's 45, um, and he hasn't been shot this year, so that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> mistook me for someone else. Oh, okay, if you say so. <laughs> Six foot five, 300 pounds. He's a legend in his country. And oh, I thought you were someone else. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> you okay? <laughs> Six foot five, 300 pounds. Lots of those. Yeah. Okay. If you right. say so. What's your walk off for the day, sir? Uh, my walk-off is a pat on the back to the Miami Marlins. Miami suddenly becoming like the the hub of the sports world, hiring Kim Na as the first female general manager of Major League Baseball. And look, this was not this was not a token hire. It means a lot for equality. That's great. She's overqualified, like way overqualified. This is someone who's been in baseball for over two decades, was with the Yankees and is an assistant general manager, has worked for Major League Baseball in international operations. Very, very well done by the Miami Marlins. Kind of impressed with what Derek Jeter's putting together down there. I thought it would, I thought it would be a train wreck, and it kind of was at the start. Um, but they had a really positive year this past year, and this hire, you know, kind of really um, sets them up to be, you know, a player for the next decade. The Marlins will suck for the next decade. This comes said like a true Braves fan. This kind of, it's just a baseball fan. The, the, the Marlins are going to suck forever. The, the Marlins are going to have these years like they had this year where they come out of nowhere because they have prospects. But by the time their prospects become legit, they're going to have to trade every single one of them off because they're not going to put fans in the stands. As long as the Marlins call Miami their home, it's not Jeter's fault. It's not Nas' fault. It's the fact that the fans down there don't go to ball games, any kind of ball games. And, and, I my walk off is very bad fortune for her because had Theo Epstein stepped down three or four days ago, her name might have been in the ring because the Cubs have the money to come come from the ashes. The Marlins do not. We'll see you tomorrow, Thursday night football. Goodbye, sweetheart. Well, it's time to go. We're back tomorrow with another show. Unless we're fired, we'll talk to you then. Goodbye, sweetheart. Goodbye. Goodbye. Guys and gals, it's time to go. We'll see you on the next show. Same back time, same back channel. Thanks for listening to Armchair Quarterback Radio, your first choice for sports talk here on the First Coast. Ah, ah, ah.
Armchair Quarterback Radio comes your way every day. Find Armchair Quarterbacks Radio on Facebook today. And don't forget to tap that app. The Armchair Quarterbacks app is free to download, and you can take us anywhere you go. You can hear the whole show every day on Armchair Quarterbacks app. Can I get another cigarette, please? Can I get another cigarette, please? Yeah, I know I live to regret it. Just give me another cigarette, please. I kind of like that. I want to tap that. You can bet I'm going to get it. If you haven't downloaded it yet, the Armchair Quarterbacks app is the best app you can tap today. Google Android, Apple iPhone. That's right, download it, tap that app today. You can take the Armchair Quarterbacks app anywhere. Free to download, free to use, and important to have. Download it today. Tap that Armchair Quarterbacks app. The best in Southeast sports talk. Listen live or catch the replay. I kind of like that. I want to tap that. 